Well, our focus this Lord's Day will be on Joel's prophecy in Joel 2.25, where we have those fairly familiar words uh, which have often been mentioned. And they are precious words, really, to the believer. And they are searching words, of course, to the seeker. And I will restore to you the years that the locust have eaten the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. This, of course, is referring to wasted years, wasted years, years of unbelief for those who are yet outside of Christ. And, of course, those who are believers, it can sometimes also refer to those who are not confronting really particular sins in their life and that are wasting seasons. There are seasons where sin is not really being confronted uh, because of particular sins not being truly grieved over and repented of. And so it's, it's really talking about wasted years and the restoration of those years. And of course these prophetic words of Joel were designed by the Lord not only to awake us and to restore us nowadays, but of course the nation of Judah as well in the northern kingdom. You see, the people of Judah, like the West, began to adopt for many, many years a very casual attitude to spiritual, spiritual things, towards the word heartfelt love for the word, spiritual truths, eternal truths. Judah, like the West in the days past, had been mightily blessed, were they not, with godly kings, King David, great special interventions and revivals, great victories of faith, the God's people being led by godly heads of state and, and kings and and in the light of God's word and in, in a godly direction. Yet we see here now Judah in the days of Joel had squandered their godly heritage like we've done. Very much so in the West. Religion had become very much superficial. It had become external. It had become very cold and uh, not heartfelt anymore. It was all lip service and no really heart really towards the Lord. And no wonder why the prophet says in Joel 2.13, And rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God. It just became so familiar, so comfortable, so superficial, so cold, as it were, so casual. God wants us to seek to worship him in spirit and in truth, with the whole heart, not according to our preferences or our worldly dreams or schemes, but according to his holy word that is forever settled in heaven. And we read early in Joel 1 of how God's awakening judgments were upon Judah, as they are upon the West. We see the, the West's continued decline, America, Britain, the West, we see 
the, the, the decline in its influence and its power, and most importantly, in its moral and spiritual decline. It's the same. The same old truth and story being told here. God's judgment itself upon Judah came in the form of a great invading army. And we know from scripture that the Assyrians under the leadership of Sennacherib took all the fenced cities of Judah, the the northern kingdom, and no doubt spoilt the land and trod all the crops and produce underfoot, uh, set things upon fire. However, prior to that judgment, I believe the Lord in his long-suffering and his mercy and his grace and mercy sent armies of insects and plagues to wake up the people of Judah with those lesser judgments, alarm bells for the conscience, as it were. That's what these armies and plagues of insects were sent. And God often does that in our lives. He sends these lesser judgments, as it were, before he comes in like a lion. He brings in the moth of conscience before the lion as it were, these lesser judgments, these alarms to wake us up. Some commentators believe that these devastating plagues came in the space of one year. However, I would suggest that, like some commentators, that these plagues came over successive years. Year after year, as the text uh, uh, um Suggests in Joel 2.24, I will restore to you the years, the years that the locusts have eaten. This is talking about disappointment year after year. Worldly dreams and schemes being disappointed. Plans, investments being completely disappointed, as it were. Plagues being brought. One year, one plan disappointed and think, well, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely get it this year. And then again, year after year, season after season, the plagues were something which God sent year after year on account of their sin and not taking their sin seriously before their holy God, neglecting to seek God's face wholeheartedly, sincerely, as we're not just externally, Now, it must be said, dear friends, that not every sad affliction and providence that comes upon our lives is a direct judgment of God upon our lives. We know that. We know that all of us can experience sickness. We can all experience financial difficulties. We can all experience many afflictions in this life. God shineth upon the just and the unjust. But it is also true to say that some are. Some things that we go through, it's up to all of us to question, really, are these lesser judgments that are befalling me because that my heart's not in it? Well, the first year there in Judah, their harvest was lost. The locust devoured everything in the land. It was, it was devastating. And you can imagine the, that scene You can imagine when the the corn is ripening, as it were, they see the golden corn, they see the the barley, they see the harvest, they see the pomegranates, they see the fruit trees lush and they've got a great 
army, they've got all these fenced cities, they, on the borders of Judah, they've got all these other cities as well, defending Jerusalem, and so they've got all this outward security, they've got money, they've got wealth, they've got an abundance of paradise in that most blessed land, they've got all these things, and yet God, in his love and his mercy, in his correcting hand, as it were, bring something which they were never ever thinking of. Something small, weak, something which they never ever thought would come upon them. They thought they were so secure, you see. And until God brought these plagues, and so you can imagine that all what they had laboured for, all the cornfields, the barley, the crops, just as they were ripening, were absolutely stripped, all gone devastated and I've grown up in Africa and uh, people who have lived in Africa will know and you've no doubt have heard what swarms can do well one small swarm of locusts can literally eat as much as 2,500 people in a day just one small swarm they can travel up to 80 miles in a day that was just a small swarm but you can imagine Tens of millions, even billions of swarms of locusts. Literally everything that they had laboured for. Everything that was in the cellars, as it were. In the troughs, in the garners. They had, everything had been spoilt, as it were. They never thought that this would come upon them. God sent armies of millions of locusts, which were so great in number that they literally darkened the skies, darkened the stars at night, as it were. They stripped everything, everything laboured for under the sun. The locusts' teeth here are described really like lions' teeth. And yes, locusts have teeth. Can you believe that? They have teeth, locusts. And they are described almost like little lions, literally devastating everything. And instead, really, of the people asking questions of themselves, communing with their own heart upon their bed, when they're going hungry, as it were, when they see this devastating stripping, as it were, seeking God's face in these dark providences, they continue. They continued, really, in their own way. The stiff-neckedness, dear friends, and so, so much so that God sent successive plagues every year. Disappointment after disappointment, worldly plan and schemes and dreams, as it were, continually just disappointed, as it were. And by the time the prophet Joel came on the scene to preach, God was warning to raise up an even greater army to come against the people. Of course, we know that to be the, the Assyrians. So God often sends these lesser judgments, you see. And when a, a nation begins to love the creature more than the creator, who is blessed for the, forever, they open up to themselves God's judgment. They are ripe, and we here in the West, friends, are ripe for God's judgments. Many became spiritually speaking dead fruitless as it were to the word of God and yes perhaps like many in our nation that are still in attendance 
still, as it were, coming to church, but never truly seeking the Lord from their hearts, never seeking his, his blessing, never seeking hard after him, but unresponsive, not applying the word of God, not sensitive to his calls of mercy and love. And then, of course, not, not responding to God's providence. But God in his mercy and his long-suffering, like Jude, often brings these lesser judgments upon our lives to disappoint, like I said, our dreams and our worldly schemes, which were made without him, which we have set before him. And we see from Joel 1.4 that there was nothing left. One of the most blessed and fruitful lands upon the planet a land that flowed with milk and honey, a land that could produce vast vines of, of wine. You see, when they got that great uh, a cluster of wine, it, it was a paradise, a, literally a paradise. And yet it was absolutely stripped. All their dreams, worldly dreams and schemes, taken down, as it were, that land had great potential to bring forth abundance. But what do we see here? Barrenness, unfruitfulness, emptiness. And are these truths, friends, concerning Judah? Not true of us here in the West today. Look at what's become of our Christianity. It's become so superficial, so worldly. No true heartfelt seeking of the Lord Anymore nowadays? Look at how many, many Christians are living their lives. One foot in the church, one foot in Christ. Just not truly committing to the Lord, serving the Lord. Every day at home, wives and husbands praying together, watching sermons together, uh, seeking God's faith, seeking his blessing. Families, devotion together, seeking to serve the Lord. It's just become so superficial. It's all about feelings. Now are these truths not true of us here today? If the salt has lost its savour, wherewith shall it be salted, friends? People have always been lost, dear friends, but Christians have not been Christians, I fear. So this is a message, really, not only for unbelievers, those who are outside of Christ, but it's for, it's for Christians. Sin never brings fruitfulness. It, it always brings it always brings unfruitfulness, spiritually speaking. It is our sin that makes us devoted to ourselves and to this world and not to our, to our maker and to his gospel. That's what sin does. It's so selfish. Sin desensitizes us to the reality of who God is. To the purposes, the true purpose to our life and our never dying soul. God speaks to us, of course, through his creation. Day unto day uttereth speech and night unto night showeth knowledge, as it says in the psalm. He speaks to us that he is almighty, that in wisdom he created all these things. He has given us our faculties, our hearing, our eyes, our minds. Our affections. He has given us these things. Not so that we could just dwell upon the creatures. 
the creature, but that we can marvel at the creator, that we can seek him. We can seek the purpose of our life. God speaks to us day and night through his creation. He speaks to us, of course, through our consciences. The law of God is written upon our hearts. They convict us. They are those lesser judgments. They convict us of our sin, uh, that we've broken his laws, that we've loved the creature more than the creator. Are we listening to the voice of God's conscience? Or are we, as it were, shutting the voice of God's conscience, the alarm bell of the soul? Are we listening when God convicts us through his word of our sin, through, through providence? God speaks to us, of course, through his word. He speaks to us through Christ. The Bible is the number one selling book of all time. He sends out his evangelists. He sends out his word. He speaks to us. People are without excuse, friends. You know, before I was converted and truly saved, I spent many, many years in vanity and in pride. I wasted so many years, dear friends, many years in vanity and pride. And the Lord started saving people around me. My brother Jason, my sister Teresa, my mum, at all different times. And then I saw what was happening in their life, how God was changing them. And then... The Lord brought other people into my life, other Christians. And I wasn't, I w- I w- wasn't listening to those gentle reproofs, as it were. I wasn't listening to those warnings, to those timely, the timely word and season. And you see, friends, I just would not listen. Yet God, in his mercy, dear friends, came to me with a rod of providence. Year after year, before I was converted... Year after year, I was disappointed. There was an emptiness that happened to my life. I, 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 thought, I thought I'd never uh, be disappointed, but there, there was great disappointments in my life. Things which I never saw would be raised up. I thought I had it all planned out, all mapped out. Yet heartache after heartache, pain after pain, the emptiness grew, grew greater because I set my heart upon the creature and not the creator But you know, God in his mercy and his great kindness and patience and long-suffering began to blight my sinful life. And this this is typically what God does. If we will not listen to, to general revelation, if we will not listen to his word, to all the witnesses, a great cloud of witnesses God has given us, he began to blight my life. Things which I never thought would happen to me started to happen to me. Great disappointments. I began to experience disappointment after disappointment, heartache after heartache. There was an emptiness in all these things. Now, friends, if we will not listen to the word of God, is he not just to visit us with a rod of providence? He is, isn't he? Because we're made for him. We're made for his glory. And it is better to enter into heaven, into glory maimed, than to have our a whole body and soul cast into hell forever. God today, just as with Judah, is sending out his armies of consuming locusts to bring to nothing the worldly dreams and schemes and plans of those who are rebelling from him. God wants to make us a fruitful people. He really does. He wants to bless us eternally, spiritually, to make 
you luscious and green, to know of that lasting joy and peace of his salvation, which this world and the things of this world can never, ever give us. The problem is, like Judah, we can be so stiff-necked. Can we not? We can be a stiff-necked people. We can have our heads, as it were, to the ground, looking at the creature, not the creator. We're made different, upright, to behold the Lord, not to the ground, to live for the dust from which we've been made. Well, what does it look like when God sends his armies of locusts after us, those lesser judgments, to warn us? Well, perhaps for the young man it can come in the form of loneliness, Loneliness, and perhaps many disappointments that can sometimes lead to depression and living perhaps a boozy and partying lifestyle or a lifestyle preoccupied with work, being a workaholic, just wasting many years, as it were, in riotous living, filling up the garners, as it were, and never truly being satisfied. Going from casual relationship to casual relationship, heartache to heartache, trying to fill ourselves with a creature. And of course, we can never, ever truly be satisfied. There will always be a vacuum there. There will always be an emptiness. There will be a void, a great abyss that only God can fill because he is the purpose to our lives. This is not the worldly ideals which the culture promised me. The culture promised me much, promised me I can find happy in these Hollywood ideals. It's not what the world promised me it would look like. The grass is not greener on the other side. I've been left like the prodigal son, empty inside. Oh yes, I might have a great career, I might have lots of money, I might have mortgages and worldly securities, I might have gone through lots of fleeting pleasures, but there's an emptiness in there, side, isn't there? I know what that feels like. For years I had that emptiness, friends. Just eating the pig's food of this world. And no man really truly cares for your soul. Well, what of the young lady? We thought about the young man. What of the young lady? Well, a young woman in in our feministic culture can be tempted to give their hearts to worldly fashions and immodest dress in order to gain the attention of men. I want a certain type of man. The culture says, this is how I need to look. This is how I need to dress. This is how I need to act. I need to be independent. I need to be uh, look a certain way. And so if I dress a certain way, if I look a certain way, I can get that man that I want that, that perhaps wealthy man, that perhaps good-looking man, and I, and I can maintain that man, as it were. It doesn't matter if I break God's laws. It doesn't matter if I shun my God, if I ignore the word of God. I do these things at the expense of my maker, and deep down to what I know is true. I suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And of course, if one fashions themselves after the creature, after this fading, passing world, at the expense of being wedded to their God, they can expect nothing but sorrow. And how often is the case, and I've heard it so many times before, when you see these, and I've heard the testimony of these, some young ladies who later have been saved, they said that, how that they gave themselves to these things, and 
they ended up being cheated and lied upon and deceived. They thought, well, if I dress a certain way and if I'm confident and overbearing, as it were, if, if I believe in this, these feministic ideals, well, this will bring me happiness. I, if I, and ultimately, the, the locusts come, don't they? The same things start happening to them. And of course, what happens to these uh, young women, and my heart goes out to them, can, they can start to give their hearts to their career then. I don't need a man in my life. I don't need God in my life. I can get my own money. I can do my own thing. And it's so sad to see, isn't it, in this feministic culture that we live in. Hearts are given to careers, casual relationships. I can be like a man. I can cheat and lie and be like a man. I can do these things as, as it were. Hearts are given to their careers, not to families anymore. Not to ch childbearing anymore. Marriages put off. You know, the average age in the UK is something like 37, 38 years old. The emptiness gets greater, as it were. God's design and word neglected. Wasted years. The locusts have eaten. Well, what of the middle age man or woman? What happens in the middle age years? Well, often worldly securities can become all-consuming. Can they not? Mortgages, because I'm getting older into my 40s perhaps, maybe my 50s or senior years, well, when, when the flower starts to fade, it has its, its beauty and the wrinkles start coming, I know all about that, and grey hairs, as it were. Well, I need to go to the, to the beautician. Once I need this retail therapy, as it were. I, I don't want to allow the effects of age to come, so I must constantly be pampering myself, as it were. I don't want the thought of anyone thinking that I'm old. And so I've got to uh, make sure that I, I'm forever young. As, as it were. And so I give myself to hobbies and to fitness and to all these other things. I, and to perhaps promotions in my, my, my career. Investments and hobbies, as it were. My reputation and many other such things. My life is just consumed with these things. And this, of course, can bring the locusts again of God's judgment down in sudden Redundancies, sudden depromotion, sudden bankruptcy, sudden financial toil, sudden injuries, su sudden family hardships, all such things. And I'm not saying for those who, who are, are truly believers and walking close with the Lord that these can happen to all of us. And the Lord, people know the sovereignty of God in these things. I'm talking about people who are, are living away from the Lord. These lesser judgments the Lord does bring and will bring in his mercy. God in his mercy can speak to us by stripping us down very suddenly like locusts of all that we've, we've put before him. Because that's ultimately what we were doing. We're putting them before him. We're disobeying the commandment to love the Lord our God for who he is, for all that he's given us, even his son. God sent his pleasures upon Egypt to exact judgment upon the false gods of Egypt. That's why he sent the plagues upon Egypt, Exodus 12, 12. And you see, friends, if we are set up false gods, 
If we are giving our hearts to the creature, and that could even be a husband, a wife, children, it could be hobbies, it could be many things. If we're raising them up in a pinnacle, and we're before the Lord, and we're listening to them and not the word of God, well then God will disappoint. God will bring down those high looks, as it were. If we ignore our maker's calling of mercy to us and we wed ourselves to the creature instead of the only saviour of sinners, know assuredly that God's armies of locusts will come for you. And I'll say that in love, friends, because it is a great act of mercy that God should blight our lives in in such a way. They will come often suddenly, They will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night, they will come. You know, we can build up. I thought I was so secure, so self-confident. I was so self-confident. And then years, I was literally, when I was saved, I literally had to move in. And I was living in the attic. All all the things I had had laid for, gone very quickly. Those locusts, those weak things, which I thought, well, they'll never come upon me. God's judgments. (laughs) don't put your trust in the things of this world friends very quickly and suddenly God can raise up an army yes it may be small but when they come in great numbers friends nothing they, they will ruin everything strip everything get into everything in your life which you've put your trust in know assuredly that God's armies of locusts are coming And in the end, there will be not one heart idol, not one worldly seed trough securely fastened that will not be spoiled. All will be wasted. In the end, we know, friends, the consequences of our sin, that it brings death. And therefore, we need life, eternal life in Christ, to live for him, to love him. Well, perhaps the word of God is describing a sinful life here today or someone who will come to listen to today's word. And maybe you're saying, well, what hope is there for me? What, I've wasted so many years, so many years. My, my life is a mess. And perhaps even as a Christian, you can be found in a backsliding state, entertaining some particular sin that's not truly repented of. Well, God's promise to Judah is given to us today. It's the same promise by the same God, with the same power and mercy open to us today. Joel 2.25, And I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten, the cankerworm and the caterpillar and the palmworm, my great army, which I sent among you. Yes, God did that. God has, has disappointed. He's not the author of sin, he, but he will allow things to happen to you. He will allow uh, those armies to disappoint, plans to be ruined. Like the prodigal, all those wasted years can be restored, friends. You think of Jacob in our, our recent Bible study. All these things are against me. And then the Lord restored all those years. He thought he was dying then and there, didn't he? God gave him another almost two decades as it were, to live for his glory, increased his faith, as it were, he thought he was going to die right then and there. But God gave him a couple more decades to live. God can do that. God can restore to you and me the years that the locusts have eaten. And like the prodigal, 
all the wasted years can be restored. Yes, even if you're not young, God can give you many, many more years of spiritual fruitfulness and blessing and spiritual abundance. He can do that. Nothing is beyond God. God, who is both willing and able, is able to forgive you of every every single sin. If you come to him, if you're not yet Christ, he will forgive you every single sin, past, present and future. And if you're a backsliding Christian, he will restore to you that joy of your salvation, that peace with God. And he will bring forth spiritual abundance in your life. He promises to do so. He can give you a bright future, a fruitful future, a spiritual abundant future. He will give you, he will forgive you all your sins Restore those wasted years, give you an abundance of spiritual, blessed years. Years of great faith, of reviving faith. Trust his grace, friends. Trust his word. Trust him with your life. Weigh everything upon him. And you will see spiritual abundance poured out upon your soul. Remember that dear lady, Naomi, Ruth's mother in the Bible, Remember it was said of her that she went out full, went out from Bethlehem, went out from Israel full, and she came back empty, didn't she? She went out, she married, husband, two sons, two daughters-in-law, Ruth and uh, her sister, and she had loads of stuff in the land of Moab, didn't she? She had so much, and yet... Very quickly, she lost her husband. Then she lost her two sons. And then one of her daughters-in-law went back to Moab. All she was left was with that blessed daughter, Ruth. But she heard, what did she hear? She heard that the Lord had visited his people. Maybe God's visiting you today. Maybe his word is speaking to you today. The locusts really have eaten up haven't they? And they will continue to do so. But friends, let us return to the Lord. Let us seek his face and he promises he will pour upon his spirit upon us. If we truly repent of our sins and trust in him, he can restore many, many years of fruitfulness and of blessing. Amen. Feel free to contact us at Sovereign Grace Church in Tiverton. Email us at grace2seekers at gmail.com. That's grace2seekers at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can visit our website at www.sovereigngracereformedchurch.co.uk.